Welcome back to the Virtual Velo Podcast. This is episode 34. We've got a packed show again. We're going to be talking about the Zwift Racing League. In fact, we're not just going to be talking about the Zwift Racing League, but we're going to have the man himself from the WTRL, Martin Carew, on the show very, very shortly. But first of all, Chris, how are you doing? You've had a busy week? Got home really late Monday night, sign. You know, I'm an old man, so when I get home at midnight, it takes me like three, four, a week, two weeks to recover. So... I'm still I'm still dragging, Sai, I must say. And after the time trial this morning, I'm dragging even more. Yeah, well, we don't normally do this. We, it's, I don't think it's very often, Chris, that we revisit a topic from a previous show. But last show, at the end of the show, I mentioned that you're going to be attending this Star Trek event. And then I think it was two or three days later that you went. Um, and then I'd seen some of the pictures out there. That was a proper, legit, star-studied event from what I saw. So why don't you give us a bit of, bit of intro in, into the event? Because it, it looked like an amazing event. But, but first of all, just give us that overview. Of what, what is Star Trek? What they do? Because I think that's a really important message. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's, you know the event was amazing, but the, the organization itself is the reason for the event. And that was it's really an incredible organization. The benefit was to celebrate their 20th anniversary. And it's basically what it is. It's a, it's a youth development program. It's a zero barriers, nonprofit urban outreach program, which introduces inner city kids to the fundamentals of track cycling. There's a, there's a, a velodrome nearby. And that's regardless of economic background, race, ethnicity, anybody's invited and they don't pay a penny. No, oh, amazing. So is this is this something that's been going on for quite a while then? Is it like a well-established event? Well, to tell you the truth, the event itself is not. It's relatively new, but this organization has received so much support. The executive team from USA Cycling was there. Eric Min was there. Kate Verano, the uh, the driving force behind Tour de France Femmes, Avex Swift was there. Nicola Kramner, the founder of Virginia's Blue Ridge 2024. There's just, there were just so many people there. It was you know, really amazing being able to meet all these people, but also you know, to support just a, a great cause. Well, I, I hope this sounds, I hope this is a positive question. I hope you take this in the right way. And I, I know you've been working hard as a, as a journalist and you know, you've uncovered some amazing things in the world of cycling esports, but, but I, how did you get your invite? How, how did you, with the annual the journalist there for a start? Yeah, you know, it's pretty funny because I, I still don't consider myself a journalist, but one of the members of the executive team for Star Trek invited me, put me on the guest list. And it's it's kind of, I don't know if you've, you've obviously never been to a New York City benefit. The venue was beautiful, right on the right on the river uh, in Manhattan. They valet park us, you know, the, the venue is, is just, it's out of this world, right? And we walk in and it's a huge ask too, like just like any benefit would be in New York City. It's $500 a plate. Wow. which I hope my wife uh, really enjoyed her, her meal, which I know she did. <laughs> she, she had a great time. But, you know, then w- we go to leave and we're like, oh, this is really awesome. You know, we go to leave, we go valet, we get in the car and we pull out and they, they get us $60 for parking there. But anyway, that's uh, that's just, uh, you know, just the way it is in New York City. <laughs> but, you know, they, so, yeah, the one of the executive team invited me to, to cover the event. And I've never covered an event before. I've never written that type of thing. I didn't know whether it would get picked up um, by any of the publications, but it was a, you know, a good opportunity to to meet some people and to also kind of uh, challenge myself, push myself outside of my comfort zone and try to write something different. Well, it clearly got picked up because I, I saw it in Cycling Weekly and that's where some of the, the, the pictures that I saw with you, with some of these celebs. But I, I guess the main one we're interested in is Eric Min was there. I mean, he, he was honored, I think, at the event as well. But uh, did you get a chance to converse and, and ask any questions of Eric, and you know, did he did he know of your work or our work? Yeah, it actually was. Um, it was really interesting because 
I did uh, I did meet him and he was extremely nice, humble, and I let him know who I was and he knew about the Zimunike and he said something that was 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 really affirming and kind of like a huge compliment. He says, "Yeah, Chris, you know, you keep us on our toes." And I guess, you know, that's kind of like <laughs> when Good. you when you do what we're trying to do, it, it really, you know, that's basically the the, the goal is to look at yeah. things through a microscope and, and try to be, be critical, but be fair and, and try to push things forward. And, you know, that, you know, that's our mission, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, that's a real compliment in a way. I guess th- I know there's a couple people I want to ask you about, but uh, we, we've also discussed Jim Miller. Um, you know, he is the chief of sports performance with USAC, if I remember rightly. Um, I'm assuming he was at the event. Did, did he again? Did you manage to catch up with uh, Jim Miller? Yeah, he he uh, he was there, and it's actually funny because I I introduced myself to him, and he was in like a circle of uh, of people. I didn't realize that one of the guys that was there was the CEO of USA Cycling, and I'm like, you know, I kind of missed an opportunity oh, wow. to shake his hand. <laughs> and also the the chief marketing officer Erica Lehman was there too, and she was extremely nice. And you know, I spoke to Jim, and we had a, a nice little discussion about the UCI and my wish announcing that the World Championships wouldn't be until October, and he had no idea that 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 was going to be the case. And I got the impression that they're they're all in on on esports. Erica, Brendan, Jim, you know, they. They're they're all in on esports. They're behind it as a legitimate discipline of cycling, but there's still a bit of a knowledge gap there. There's a, there's a communication gap. You know, the the multi platform landscape is something that's really novel to them. There there is there's not a lot of communication, and the fact that the World Championships is now scheduled for October and they're having their qualifications in January kind of uh, it, it opens up a lot of questions and he acknowledged that and he's also acknowledged that there may be some changes yeah we, we discussed that briefly right in, in, in the last show and uh you know i think that when we spoke to to matt from my wish i guess he off the record may have found that a little bit puzzling how you know any of the national governing bodies i guess could make selection six to ten months out from a a finals but uh we'll see how that unfolds in in the new year i guess yeah you know i think they kind of um they they each think that the other should be should be contacting them and uh, i i don't know i guess um i think that they, everyone needs to come together and, and play nice but eventually they will and i will eventually we'll figure out how to navigate this uh multi-platform landscape going forward you know f- for the good of the sport i hope that we all do well well the other uh i guess celeb that i saw you with was uh was matt stevens and i uh, you know look actually matt stevens and I know of, and when I was a kid cycling around here, I used to pass him a lot on the training runs when he was he was riding for for Harrods and then the Linda McCartney team in the UK. For those who remember, um, but obviously, in fact, I guess he's also because we're recording this on the night of the Grand Prix. The, the ladies are on the Grand Prix course tonight, I think, if I remember rightly. So I'm assuming he's commenting. But uh, did he have any comment on cycling esports? Because obviously, he's been doing quite a bit historically and he's working on the Grand Prix at the moment as well. The funny thing is that somebody asked me if he's as nice in person as he appears during the broadcast. And the only thing I could say is that he's nicer. Like I, I, I got his attention, introduced myself, introduced my wife, Kristen, and he would have stood there and spoken to me the whole entire night, but he had to, he had to MC the event. So he had to go, <laughs> but we, um, we spoke very candidly and openly about cycling esports. You know, he is 100% behind the, the legitimization of, of the sport. There was no elitist mentality at all. Like he totally 100% behind the fact that it's a, it's a unique discipline of cycling. And then we spoke about the, you know, about the other platforms and he was acknowledging of those and he's just, he just feels that it's the proper evolution for the sport and that it's going to, to breed competition and raise the standard. And, you know, it just, it, he was 
you know, as excited about speaking about cycling esports as he was about, you know, some of the other guests, you know, and there were some huge guests there, like Riley Sheehan was there, the only American to ever win the, the Perry Tour, you know, one day classic. All right. So the star-studded event, your table, you've already told me the, the, the price per plate there, but who, who was on your table then? Who were you sat with? Yeah, so I actually, it was, it was kind of interesting. I, I was actually sitting with uh, Kristen Kolchinski and, and her, her coach, Josh Lipka. They're both nicer uh, in person than they are virtually. They're just, just extremely nice and really down-to-earth people. And uh, Nicola Kramner from uh, 2024 was yeah, there. And it's like, yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just like really amazing because you, you get a sense of how significant she is to women's cycling when you see the people coming up to her and the respect that, that she uh, receives from the women's cyclists, young and old. And, and, and and all the all the uh, the men in the audience as well, and then uh, Laurel Quinones was uh, sitting right next to me. And I don't know if you know her story, but she was a D one rower, like a big time rower at Columbia, and she took up cycling during COVID. She bought like a like a Walmart bike and she rode it around Central Park until until she broke it. And then wow. she got onto yeah, then she got onto Zwift, and then Josh huh. discovered her, and then she became a member of Virginia's Blue Ridge 2024. And then she is just like, just like super strong. She um, podiumed twice in uh, a couple of the North American time trials this year and also uh, Redlands and then Joe Martin. So she's just like a super strong racer that was uh, just discovered by chance. And then I was two seats down from Jenna Valenti, who is an Olympic Omnium gold yeah, medalist. Yeah, the it was just gold medalist, yeah, the Omnium, right? Just incredible. And if, if wow. I didn't know that, then I would have no, no idea. Just totally unassuming, just sitting there, you know, really great to see everybody had a, a really nice time no it's it sounds like an amazing event and uh yeah it's 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 great that you know like you say you, you know matt stevens for me is you know his archetypal presenter and commentator for irl cycling you know the the, the classics you know he's on eurosport and gcm plus sadly which is is no more as we know as well that's another new story for this week i guess but uh you know the, you know just him acknowledging you know the, the growth of cycling esports and you know the multi-platforms you know it's just a, a a real positive step forward for the sport so yeah excellent event hopefully you'll get more and more invites to those in the future as the sport and, and the reputation continues to grow i, I just want to mention one thing there's this couple of new uh, parts of the show chris that we're going to unveil tonight one of those is cycling shorts that's going to come at the end of the show so for those who don't know we introduced this new segment cycling shorts basically all the week's news or the month's news the headlines the new releases the new events the key partnerships that are moving forward and there's a couple to talk about because chris you've put that many articles out this week that, that what was going to be a, a one minute segment the cycling shorts is probably going to be closer to five minutes i'd say looking at the list but the other thing just going back to last week last week we mentioned that we wanted people to um give feedback leave comments engage in some kind of discussion uh, I guess we didn't exactly highlight where that should be, but I, but I will say that the response was was amazing. We had quite a bit of response, either directly or via our other social media channels. So thank you for that for a start. Uh, we were we were quite inundated. It was great to hear your your comments, your views, your suggestions and ideas on on sort of features and discussions as well. So we really appreciate that. What we want to do moving forward, um, obviously. Chris hosts the Zamunike website. That's where we also, you will find the podcast released each time we release one. On each podcast has its own page on the website, right, Chris? And if we scroll down that page, we've got a discussion section set up now. So if you want to leave comment, you've got any thoughts or ideas on any of the topics that we've spoke about or any of the guests we've spoke about, that is the place 
to come and comment, have discussion with us and with the other listeners as well. It's really funny, Sai, because after the podcast, you know, my inbox is full and I'm just like, I'm, I love having these conversations with our, with our audience because I learn a lot. It's, you know, it's, it's really insightful. You know, it's nice to see and hear a different perspective, but I'm always thinking to myself, this is just a, a you know, a, a two-way conversation. And I know that it, this would be so much more engaging and enlightening for everybody if there were more people involved. So, you know, it, our fault, we didn't direct anybody to the, the, the proper place where we you know, would be to have these conversations. But if we can get that comment section going, I know that there can be a lot of really incredible progress that, that's made there. And, you know, you, know, you know, and let's face it, a lot of the guests that we have are, you know, somewhat controversial, you know, my wish is speaking for the first time. And there, there's, you know, the, the community should react to that. You know, that was our goal for for putting that out there, you know, to let them voice their vision, let them, you know, tell us what they're about so that the community can, can then react to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, I think that, that, uh, that topic alone, you know, it was, it was interesting that we launched that, that feature of, of requesting some comments and feedback and discussion after that particular show, because yeah, the, the, the comments and feedback were, were broad and, and wide in terms of the, you know, the, the views, I guess, out there, but that's, that's what we're here to do. All right. Thank you, Chris. Well, that's great. I think it's about time we got Martin into the show. So as I said, we've got Martin Carew with us today from the WTRL, the man at the helm and responsible for the Zwift Racing League. Martin, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. How are you guys? I know it's, uh, yeah, I hope we're not uh, pulling you uh, too much away from a busy day's work because I know the, the Zwift Grand Prix is it's either just finished or it's uh, it's still going. And I know you're you're responsible for, for some of the data that we see uh, within the Zwift Grand Prix, if I remember. Well, yeah, obviously, once upon a time, there was a ZRL Premier Division, um, which used to give all, all the leading, leading ideas and things like that for people to take into the community ZRL. Um, that came to an end, but this this time round, Zwift Grand Prix is following the ZRL format for part of its uh, for part of its its um, yeah. season. Yeah. And obviously, we've just had the scratch race, uh, sorry, points race. We had a scratch race last week. We've got a TCT the following weeks, following all the same routes and courses that ZRL does. Uh, point system, everything else is exactly the same. So behind the scenes, there's little old me calculating scores and results. For them to to have ready for their broadcast. Yeah, I mean, be, uh, I mean that's fantastic. And be, before we came onto the show, Martin, you, you gave us some stats and numbers, and one of those mentioned you mentioned that twenty eight percent of people currently in the ZRL are new people, not just new to ZRL, but new to racing. So, I, I, what I want to do is just give a little bit of context behind who the WTRL is and and what the Zwift Racing League is and and how it all started. So, could you just give us a bit of background and how long have have you been running the WTRL and and very briefly because we've got a lot to get through. How did it start? So, WTRL actually wasn't wasn't the making of myself. There were two other guys involved. It was a bit of a partnership between uh, the three R team and what was I. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was ATP. There were two guys that were doing uh, interclub championships, weekly races. That then developed into a Saturday race, which was the uh, Winter Tactical Racing League, which is where the initial WTRL came from. Um, and then uh, the WTRL Team Time Trial, which is what in its 240th odd week, or I think it is now. Um, that all kicked off in April. I think it was April 2019. Um, that's when I became involved and we've developed that competition. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, very unique and it has been for a long time on Zwift. Um, and our numbers literally swelled, 
we, we started off with seven teams the first week. I think just as COVID hit, we, we were celebrating just going over 100 teams. And then, of course, COVID hit. And all of a sudden, we're 800 teams um, a week. Um, very manual process back in those days. And um, we, we, we built up a membership. Um, the TTT was very successful. A lot of people at Swift HQ started getting involved, started using it as team building um, with, within, the, uh, within the office environment. And um, before long, um, Zwift approached us about the possibility of building a community racing league. Um, and Zwift Racing League was born. And it kicked off three years, just over three years ago now. Uh, 800 or so teams in the first round, and it's grown from there. And it, we're, we're now at, what, 2,300, I think it is, something like that, this, this current round that just started Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I want to come on to some of those numbers and uh, in, in a little bit, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean that that Thursday Thursday night team time trial is just crazily popular. I think Chris probably did the the team time trial today as well, guessing because you you normally pretty consistent with those team time trials, Chris. I think. Yeah, I am really consistent. But then I look at those the uh, the, the Hall of Fame numbers and there are guys that have done like two hundred, two hundred and fifty of them, and I'm just like, that is totally insane. But it also kind of just like I'm a light rider and I was always a climber when I was, when I was riding a lot on the road and I totally despise time trials. I, I, I could, I just, I couldn't get further enough away from a time trial, but now I do them every week. You know, when you're doing them virtually, it's just, it's an incredible um, team event. You know, you have your group of guys and you're just sacrificing and it, you can talk over discord and that there's a, a real like back and forth there, you know, it's, it's a real, like a kind of a bonding moment during a, a time when you, when you're really, really, you know, vulnerable, you know, it's, it's kind of just like it, it heightens the, the, the emotion and, and the bond that's there. So yeah, I love doing it. And it's also an incredible, you know, it's certainly a real incredible um, workout and uh, competitive uh, environment to be in, which is, uh, you know, as cyclists, we're always looking for that. No, absolutely. I, I know you're a, your team time. I, I don't do them, sadly, because uh, I, I tend to let the team down from from my side. But uh, yeah, as you know, I mean, that's where my, you know, the Zwift Racing League is when I really started in the community with the the, the Zwift Recons, essentially. That's where it all started. So, you know, I, I also have a lot to, to thank for Martin, really, putting on events which were was so engaging for the community and, and I could have, well, I wasn't the first there, was it? Because we had Sherpa Dave doing them um, originally and then, uh, yeah, I, I jumped on the bandwagon and saw any of those recons. But So I, I want to ask some questions about the Zwift Racing League, though, because obviously I've, I've had some communications with you over the over the years, Martin. I've also had some communications with, with Zwift in terms of getting information on the events because I like to try and get these videos done as early as possible. But I, who makes the decisions then? Because obviously I know you do all the technical work behind, you know, and I guess there's a lot going on in, in the background because you're not dealing with 100 teams anymore. You're dealing with 2,000 plus teams. So I guess there's a lot more technology gone into that. But in terms of the day-to-day, -day, in terms of the events, the courses, the formats, you know, who who makes those decisions? Is that you? Is that Swift? Is that you guys together? How does, how does that work? So Swift, Swift and I, Swift and W2L work very much in partnership. And I would say that the partnership is at the moment is stronger than ever. So when it comes to Swift Racing League with courses routes, Swift put together a list of their proposed courses. We have a meeting, we discuss them, we, we uh, talk about what the suitability is for all the different abilities. Yeah, we, we'll stick to the category system, A, B, C, D. Uh, and then between us, we, we come to an agreement as to the course list. From there on in, 
Um, it's pretty much me and my very small team of two other people who are busily building the competition, um, websites, servers, everything else that goes on in the background. Uh, we agree rule sets with Zwift. Um, we, you know, we understand what their goals are for the competition. Uh, let's not forget Zwift Racing League is Zwift owned. It's WTRL operated. We operate it on their behalf. It doesn't belong to WTRL. Um, a bit like contractors, if you like. So our, our, our job is essentially to develop the competition. Um, we discuss new ideas, possible directions for things to go in the future with Zwift. And if we're all in agreement, um, away I go with all my uh, candles burning throughout the night, week and everything else to make it happen. So you, you mentioned there that you, your job is to develop the competition. Is that develop the competition technically or is that develop the competition? You know, what about from a marketing point of view? You know, who who is in charge of promoting Zwift Racing League within the community and with the non-racers? Because that's what Chris and I talk about is, you know, those are discussions I've had with Zwift previously of, well, how do we, because I, I think, Hopefully you agree, Martin, but I think the racers tend to be more loyal. There's less churn in the membership with racers than individuals are not racing would be my guess. I think I've heard that before. But who who takes that responsibility of trying to get those new Zwift riders into Zwift racers? Well, obviously, both, both Zwift, WTRL, many members of community too, we're all involved with developing the esport and the racing and things like that. Um, the way our partnership, partnership works with Zwift, Zwift uh, essentially market to all their members as far as possible. So they're bringing in the new members to ZRL, the new racers, and WTRL is focused on looking after existing and returning racers. So from a marketing perspective, uh, Zwift, Zwift will use um, their powers to get in front of people with, with all the news that's come in for Zwift Racing League. And then once they're signed up, the responsibility then falls to me uh, to look after them, to put on the best possible races we can, you know, all the development and things that goes on in the background for that. Do you feel that you get enough support from Zwift? And I'm only talking about you know marketing-wise, but I'm talking about technically as well. Like It seems that there is a, there's a new Zwift update you know, at Monday night before you have a Zwift racing league, before you're trying to put out those race passes. And I know that the, the race passes were, you know, they were, people were refreshing their, their browser every five seconds last night, waiting for those to come across. So I'm just, you know, I'm just wondering, it just, it seems like there, there's a bit of a gap there. So, yeah, let, let me, let me first of all address the race passes and uh, the reasons why they were late. Um, we have some construction going on in our neighborhood, which took out our internet for intermittently for about three days, which made it very, very difficult once registration had closed to get all the teams ranked, the competition built, the leagues, the events created, set up, everything, everything else that's involved with it. And unfortunately, I ended up having to abandon the use of the software that I built to do this and um, was sat there with many sheets of paper and several Excel spreadsheets placing 2,300 teams into leagues uh, along with their riders and things like that. So it went right down to the wire on Monday night. As I said, I think Sunday morning I woke up, realized that there was going to be no other way to do this, and 5 a.m. cracked on with the paper in the Excel. Uh, I got that all finished, uh, what would have been about 8 p.m. on Monday night. 
and then finally went to bed at 1 p.m. Tuesday morning after the first Oceana races had gone to make just I normally set up to make sure the first few races have all gone okay and there's no major concerns or issues nobody's saying something's not working or the power-ups are wrong or well so, anything like that so it, it's been a very long long few days to get this one set up um with record-breaking numbers as well it takes a little bit longer but this is how we used to do it way back in the beginning i think we, when we started with seven eight hundred teams that was a six six seven or eight hour process something like that to do all the rankings to get all the teams leagued up um so yeah it was a very very stressful time from from sunday through to to monday but um we got there. We've got got the competition rolling off the ground, um, and away we go from there. Yeah, so, do you feel like you you mentioned the construction? You know, the Zwift wasn't built for racing, right? So their their backend API wasn't built to provide you the data that you need. Now, you need a tremendous amount of data uh, every time they update. You know, the, does that API change? Like, I, I assume that you constructed all of that. Is that something that you then need to like reconstruct every time that there's a, there's a change? Like, I don't think that people realize, you know, how much, you know, technical um, things are going on in the background. I can certainly vouch that I don't think many people do understand the technicalities. So, yeah, so Swift have built some, um, some custom APIs that we still use some of. We don't use all of them. Um, we we had to step away from using Zwift Power because every time ZRL came on with the number of people we had you know, a couple of years ago, we stepped away from that. But Zwift Power would break. And for those, if you were if you were both around back in those days, you'll remember the results were delayed. Zwift Power was broken. Nobody could get on. Um, but the, yeah, as the competitions evolved, the competitions got bigger. Zwift have um, got a lot more supportive as as the competitions grown, and it is, it is taken very very seriously. The updates that they make, uh, I think it's something like a two-week cadence they've got for updates at the moment. Um, they don't generally have too much effect. I am given a heads up in the same way other um, Swift partners, uh, Swift Insider, etc. Nathan, we're, we're all given a heads up as what's what's coming in the next update so we can plan accordingly. Um, they Swift do try to keep those updates away from Swift Racing League, well, they used to as best they could. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't say any any of those um, issues, anything like that, has been an issue for us so far. The issue, the, obviously, the issue this weekend was not related to to either W2L or Zwift. It was somebody digging up a, a street outside. <laughs> I just want to just want to visit something you said there. You, you're on about the the record breaking numbers, and of course, I think you you know that that's true in terms of the teams. I think you said there was over two thousand two hundred teams. Now, uh, looking at some of the numbers of races, though. Um, over the last couple of seasons. So Zwift gave me some of the, the numbers from the last season as well. The number of races seems to be a little bit lower this time around than before. I know you said that you know there's a big influx of new races, but the overall number, I think, is, if I'm right, has decreased from about 22,000 down to about 19. Is that right? So I think the numbers that you're talking about there, 22,000, that's unique riders across all of last season. So that would have been rounds one, two, and three. So if, whether you race in one race or whether you race in all 18, there were 22,000 people involved. Uh, obviously, we're halfway through round two. I couldn't tell you exactly how many unique people there are across the two rounds at the moment. Um, those numbers will come early next year. I know we're ahead of that at the moment, uh, which is good. It's, it's good to see the competition growing. A lot of extra yeah. work there. <laughs> No, absolutely. I mean, talking of competition growing then, obviously 
the competition is growing in this space for for leagues as well, I guess. Um, you know, we saw the DRS um, announced that they basically were going head to head with the with the ZRL this time around. Do you think that's that's had any in, impact on those numbers? With you know, there's additional events, there's different events taking place now as well. And you know, what what are we in three seasons in? Are people maybe wanting a bit more variety, or uh, what's your view? Well, yeah. Swift has what say say a million members or so. I don't know what the exact number is, and variety is always what's needed. Not everybody wants to race everybody every day. Not everyone wants to do a time trial every day. Not everyone wants to do a team time trial either. So the variety is there, um, and and it's good to have the the different competitions for people to get involved in. Yeah, it might well be that certain times or certain events don't fit in with their family or their work schedule. Uh, in terms of whether whether I feel that DRS has had any impact on Swift Racing League, um, I'm, I don't don't really see any impact. But I think, it, as I say, I think it's great that the choice is there and that the variety is there. I, I do know that um, DRS. Uh, I have a, a few people that mention things from the Discord channel. I do know that um, DRS put a survey out, uh, and they were looking for what day to hold their hold their DRS series on. Um, I can tell you now, it doesn't matter what's on Swift, Tuesday's always the biggest day. That's why ZRL was put there four years ago. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think about that. And obviously there's been a lot of chat about the ranking systems, you know, and, and we've had a lot of change with, the, with the, the categories as well. And I know you did some work in, in your own category system as well um, previously. But obviously... Uh, you know, the dirt race series, I, I don't want to focus on the dirt race series because you, you know, I think there's lots of events, but there's been a lot of talk about this ELO system, you know, having a, a matching system as well. Um, you know, and, and with Zwift have also keep, you know, what, I guess dangling the carrot that their new um, ranking system will come at some point. Is that something that you will adopt? Have you got any insights on that? I, well, we're all geared up to adopt um, just whatever system, whatever, what, what any systems that um, Swift develop and, and release. I um, mean, a key thing with Swift Racing League when it comes to what Swift call their racing score, racing score is is due to due to launch I, I believe it's sometime in the in the early early spring uh, I don't know exactly for sure but um, the racing score I mean I'm very very keen I, I had the privilege of having eyes across it to understand it because a lot of the development for Swift Racing League takes place during the summer um, so I have to be prepped up ready to gear our systems for it uh, but I would assume as, as long as the racing score is accepted and Zwift are happy with it and Zwifters are happy with it, then yeah, I can see that. I can see Zwift asking us to implement that within ZRL. Yeah, because ultimately ZRL, the reason I do it is because it's it's a team event, you know. And if I look at my team, you know, that's the beauty of that event. It's you know a, a lot of events to be seem to be individual events on Zwift, but ZRL it's a team event. I'm just wondering if we, I want to move to a results based categorization but i just wonder how that's going to work in a team event because it you know for me it's difficult enough to get a bunch of 12 riders together within the same limits of terms of watts per kilogram i don't know if that's going to be easier or harder when we start to do it on a results-based system is that something you've given some thought to it's, it's a good question i mean we have ways and means of ranking teams is how we how we build the leagues each time um, so if a sort of racing league season comes along, but yeah, ELO systems, 
you know, the, all the various systems that are out there, they're all very capable of doing team rankings as well. Um, I would imagine that racing score will initially certainly only start with races. Uh, team ranking will probably come later. All right. I think one of the things I want to move on to, and it's uh, it's never an easy topic, but it's always a hot topic in the community, is is the the cheating aspect. You know, and and whether that be cheating in terms of you know what we've seen in the past with some of the elite riders, or whether we foresee sandbagging to be to be cheating as well. Um, and you know the forums. I try and stay away from a, a lot of the Facebook chats, if possible. I certainly don't get involved in those chats. But uh, maybe do you want to give us some insights into what what the WTRL are doing to try and give a little bit of confidence to the community that these things are being looked at, and you have things in place to monitor whether cheating in reality is actually taking place. So yeah, obviously any kind of um, unfairness or, or people. Um, gaining from the system and I will say I think in most cases people get get labeled as cheats but a lot of it is more to do with education they're not aware that they need to do something with their train or the software needs updating or it needs to be needs to be greased oiled or is you know we walk into a bike shop to buy a trainer we don't have a salesperson that sells us gives us all the benefits we just walk in buy one that fits our budget that looks nice and come home with it and off we go and then all of a sudden you're getting torn apart by people on on social media because you've bought the wrong piece of equipment that doesn't meet the standards of of those people so in terms of what we're doing um to try and keep the competition as fair as possible obviously we have a mandate with Zwift as to what they want the competition to be and how they want it to progress um, I also have a mandate. You know, I'm a former professional sports person. I don't want to be playing in games. You know, I used to play rugby. I don't want to be playing a game where I'm getting punched on the floor and the referee doesn't notice uh, and things like that. That's all, all against the rules. So when it comes to Zwift, what we want to do is make it a competitive and fun environment, but we want to keep it fair. Um, and some of the things that WTRL have done for a long, long time, um, yeah, at ZRL, we do random weight checks. Um, every week, selection of riders and teams are picked up. Um, let, let's not get away from the fact we're talking yes, 17,000 unique people. Uh, that's a lot of videos if we were to try and do everybody. Um, yeah, and sure, we could ask everybody to record a video. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people don't have a set of scales at home um, you know, <laughs> and things like that. So we, we have to work with what we have. So one of the things that I have been working on um, it's become pretty apparent that the use of certain techniques with trainers and potentially the limitations of those trainers that are not designed or power meters for that matter, they're not designed to be used that way. Um, so we have over the last couple of years, it's something that I've been developing because you know, we know we know a handful of people do it. We know, you know some of them know they shouldn't, some of them don't. Um, and for the last year or so, we've been using that system and where we've been able to pinpoint that a gain has been made, we've disqualified those riders. The decision has come because of how much time it takes to work out. You know, you're comparing game data to transmitted data. This is tra trainer data to what the game actually received and how the, how the game responded to the trainer. So you're looking, it, it's a lot of analytics that needs to be done to determine whether somebody gained or not because not everybody gains from what, what's deemed as a sprint coast technique. It very much depends on your equipment. Um, and it can also very much depend on, on the connection or the way the game is working as well. 
So ZRL this season uh, had a new rule added that essentially defined a very specific cadence technique that would not be permitted at all. Um, and if it was found, uh, it would be a straight DQ. Can you define what that is, Martin, for me? Yeah, so essentially we're looking at power um, fluctuations over a certain period of time, it's three to four seconds, where they ramp up from, uh, when the numbers off the top of my head, I've just written all the algorithms back in for this, uh, where well, basically the power goes very low and then goes above a certain percent of ZFTP or FTP or any number we want to use, but we're using ZFTP for ZRL. If that fluctuation goes up to above that level over the course of three seconds and drops again below that level over the course of another three seconds, and it happens so many times in a minute, I mean, we're talking somebody essentially doing sprint intervals on a bike. Um, you know, I drive around, I ride a bike myself. Don't see people riding to work like that. And I've watched many, many bike races, and I don't see people racing like that either. Um, so there are some benefits. Uh, occasionally so that's that's what we've been looking to crack down on when i'm racing i'm a light guy i can't generate the power i'm in and out of the saddle when i'm on the limit i can only produce power you know out of the saddle really cranking when i go back into the saddle i hear my flywheel spinning but i'm not pedaling and and i i like get a pit in my stomach because i'm like oh no Someone's going to see that, you know, it looks hideous on my, on my cadence graph. When I've moved up from B to A, the racers got harder, but after the races got even harder than that, defending, you know, what you, what you put out there. So, you know, is that something like is, is, you know, I, I want to just make it clear to everybody, the difference is, you know, is, is sprint coasting, is it sticky Watts? Is, is it three seconds on three seconds off for two, three, four, five, six minutes? Is that what you're looking for? I think, so I think, first of all, we should probably define what these various things are. Sprint coasting is a technique. It's, um, it's, it's essentially you sprint for three seconds and pretty much stop for three seconds and you repeat over and over and over and over and over again. You know, use, you know a lot of people will do it for the whole race or they'll do it for an entire uphill section uh, and things like that. That's, in my experience, not a normal way to ride a bike. Sticky watts, as it's called, there's two ways that sticky watts work. One is on the equipment side and the other is on the game side. Um, the equipment essentially cannot cope with the the forces that you're putting through, what it transmits, what the equipment sees is this person sprinting. It doesn't reset to zero in time. It carries on transmitting the maximum watts for a second or two, and then it realizes everything stopped, dropped. So the idea of the sprint coast technique is you're trying to prevent the trainer realizing you've stopped when you have stopped so the trainer can or the power meter carries on broadcasting there's a limited number of um, pieces of equipment that that works with then there is elements that are built into the game where where it's trying to deal with um, bluetooth connectivity and internet connectivity where essentially if if you experience a wi-fi drop for instance for for a few seconds or whatever the game is trying to keep you moving it doesn't just oh you, you you've left cut that's it dead and i totally understand that zwift obviously being developed originally as a training platform that makes total sense from a racing point of view that's something uh, that i'm really hoping that will get addressed um, in the near future because it's not you know this is not just a zwift thing this does exist on pretty much every other platform as well 
where they're where they're battling with connectivity. So you have these automatic controls in place now to detect this. I, yeah, I have an algorithm that will search through the data looking very specifically for those patterns. Um, those patterns then get flagged. I, I can review them. Um, there are some protocols in place where um, you know, I actually have a, a trainer company that we're helping. That they're, they're looking to improve their software. So we pass on some information as to what, what's causing that problem for their software patch. We um, worked very closely with Zwift to agree on what that pattern of Sprint Coast and et cetera would look like. And then it's just a case of building fairly simple system that's that's able to track and monitor it. Were any racers disqualified for that in round one? In round one, yeah, there were there were a fair few that were picked up and pulled out. Round one, the rules were slightly different. We had to prove that they had an advantage. Round two, it's a little bit different. If you if you basically if you're using the technique, whether it's advantage or not, it's a straight DQ. Yeah, so I think you you had put out there that. 200 racers from round one were found to use the sprint coast technique and 47 of those 200 were disqualified. So that's about 1.4% were found and 0.3% and were disqualified. Now, if you were to go onto the forums or onto your Facebook page, you would probably get a sense that more people think that that unique pedaling style was utilized during races that they were in. Probably 30% of the people in each field felt that they were using those techniques. So what would you say to somebody who, who thinks that, you know, you know, it's really great that you have an algorithm, but it may not be as sensitive as they'd like it to be? Well, at the end of the day, let's say we've been developing this. It's been live working away in the background with, with some difficulties that we've had to prove that the game's been there. Um, it's now coming online more mainstream. We're always looking at the algorithm, always looking to tweak and improve it. I have reached out to a couple of riders this week who've been flagged where having looked at it, I don't think they should have been. Um, so we're just working with them to understand a bit more about their equipment so we can we can fine tune it essentially. But you know, my my advice when when you're racing is is, is race. Um I'm I'm pretty sure anyone can imagine that if you if you sit on a if you climb on a bike and you sprint, if you crank the trainer up for three seconds, four, five, six, seven hundred watts, and then just stop dead for a couple of seconds and then repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. That's not a normal way to ride a bike. I, I'm going to ask what might be, I hope it's not too provocative a question there, but I, I've been racing on other platforms as well and, and racing other, other uh, leagues. And some of the requirements to go and race those events you know the sunday race club on my wish are quite stringent you know and we spoke about this on a previous show but it, it gives me the feeling of legitimacy as well and i'm just just thinking about what you were saying you know swift racing league is the biggest cycling esports event i guess i, I think it's still the biggest cycling esports event in, in the world now and i'm just thinking about something you said earlier you know there's that balance of the racers the elite racers and you know people like me i'm not an elite but i care about who i'm racing against and there's a lot of people in the community you know a lot of vocal members of the community also feel the same but then you've also got this balance from zwift commercial side so i just wonder about that balance between catching cheats or you know people it, not necessarily cheats but people who might not understand the technology as you mentioned before but also making it accessible for new people on the platform. That, that's that got to be a tricky one to balance. It, you know, is, is that the reason why we, we kind of separate out now when we've got the Zwift Grand Prix to, 
you know, to try and weed that out? Or what what is the priority? Is it catching the people who are not legitimate or is it making it accessible for everybody to come and have a go at? It's it's a combination of the two and it is a very tricky balancing act. Um, yeah, many people don't like being called out either by us and we we tend we tend to do things yeah, you know, similar way to Swift. We tend to try and do things behind closed doors. If, we, if there's a problem with some something somebody's doing, um, we will work with them potentially even their team and club as well. Um, we but we don't go blasting things across social media that this person was caught doing this. We we don't announce you know we've we've scrubbed off so many racers who were found doing this and here's a list of all their names. That's not. I don't I don't think that's beneficial to racing. That doesn't go on in or shouldn't be going on in sport. Uh, anywhere and I know certainly from my rugby days somebody got red carded you'd go along to the rugby football union review board you'd get told how many weeks you were banned but that wasn't broadcast to every club in the league and things like that catching catching the people who are actively cheating I I strongly believe from everything that we've done over the last few years people genuinely cheating is actually pretty low I know um, there's a lot of discussions and conversations about whether people have set their weight correctly or their height correctly in the game and things like, or whether they, you know, their weight hasn't changed for six months. I've done a lot of work and a lot of testing of my own thing. I can tell you now that the draft you pick up in a peloton is far more than you gain by dropping a few kilos on your weight. Um, and height has a bigger, it seems to have a bigger impact um, than not than a couple of kilos. For every inch in height, you you gain taken off you gain a lot more in terms of speed than you do for knocking a couple of kilos off things like that uh, I mean we we have access to the draft savings uh, that a rider gets at that particular moment in time uh, we're quite fortunate that we obviously we own Zwift GPS so we have a, a whole set of um, other APIs very similar to the ones Zwift Power uses to do what it does um, so we yeah we can see that the, the draft savings are far more substantial than yeah, and someone who's who's knocked a couple of kilos off their weight. Yeah, I understand. You know, the the of course, the manipulating your weight is the easiest way to cheat, um, and you know that's obviously the one that, that people really look to because it's a, it's you know it could be very obvious. You know the but there you know when you speak about the balance and the balance of inclusivity, you know there there are certain things that you can do at the higher levels. And when I say at the higher levels, when when you move to A, it's no longer a game, right? We're 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 not playing anymore. B, C, and D, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I was a B for a really long time. And I just know that it was the level of competition and the, you know, I'm going to say seriousness of it was, was a lot different. And it wasn't so much cheating as, you know, the, the sandbagging element. And that's certainly something that's very difficult to control. But when you move up to A, there are some systematic things that you can easily do to legitimize it, right? You can insist upon dual recordings, you can insist upon, you know, weighing videos, and you, they don't necessarily have to be public. Um, but the, the, you know, the the individuals can choose to make them public if they wish. Now, I know that there you're trying to you create that balance. You know, you don't want to discourage anybody, but it's almost as if you know these these problems would be solved if you had a like a competition mode and a and a non competition mode. And and A almost seems like, you know, that's you know, the, the, that's where the big boys are racing. Like do you anticipate, you know, at any point where you're going to institute, you know, controls like that that would would eliminate a lot of uh, you know what's going on with manipulating of trainers, manipulating of power meters, you know, simply, you know, insisting upon dual recordings for everybody, insisting upon more transparency with with weigh ins and, and height checks. 
Mm. So I think, I mean, let's, if we look at, we look at sport in the grander scheme of thing outside of the esport cycling side of things. Um, not everybody gets drug tested, dope tested. Not everybody gets, not everybody gets their equipment measured, weighed, checked, whatever. That, that's just simply the way it is. But like you say, the higher up you go, the more stringent things become. Um, and ZRL has elements of that at the moment. Some of them are still very much in development. Um, well, yeah, riders are asked to dual record if they can. Not everybody owns a power meter. You know, straight away by saying, "Oh, you you have to you have to dual record and you must have this and you must have that," you start to eliminate people from being able to compete, um, which makes it a bit of an elitist uh, end to the competition. We already have some of the elements within the A divisions. Um, we ask people to dual record if they can. Um, yeah, I have a system here that's able to analyze those dual recordings through our integration with Strava. There's, there's various steps that um, we go through for that. Uh, the weigh-ins are generally more heavily focused towards the, the A's and the B's. Um, we, we do get involved with the C's and the B's, uh, C's and the D's as well. Uh, and it's things like, yeah, to race in A, you must have a heart rate monitor. And if you don't, you, all your points are taken away essentially and for other divisions the points are halved and i will say you know a lot of people believe that the heart rate monitor is there as an anti-cheat mechanism um yeah there's an element of that and an hrm puts a barrier in the way to cheating it's another piece of data that has to be sorted out if you are going to going to be playing around with things the hrm is actually more there for safety um, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of us are cycling away in basements on our own. There's nobody else around. You know, if you don't know your limits, push yourself too hard and you've got nothing visual that's saying you're pushing yourself too hard. Um, there's obviously, there's always the risk that uh, an ambulance needs to come to your house. And I, I think that's a really interesting point, Mario. I do want to come back to that. Um, j- just after this next point, so I think it's a, it's a really important thing. And, and, um, my team in particular, you know, we, we've had a couple of incidents recently in, in a number of events. Um, let, let me just revisit that. But I, I, just coming back to that cheating thing and the measurements, you know, in place, I think actually, from my view, Chris, and I don't know if, if you agree, but if we had this pathway that we've spoke about before from top end ZRL racing through to the next level of e-racing, e- uh, cycling esports racing, I think that would that would help to discourage some of that cheating that might take place at that level. Because at the moment, what we've seen it before, bluntly, we've seen this before where we've had teams who were racing ZRL or riders, should I say, and then when they had the opportunity to move to the old Premier Division, all of a sudden they weren't racing. You know, So I think actually if we had that pathway in place that if you finish at this level, then you've got this opportunity to race that level where we know the testing is much more stringent because it's you know it's been done by by George Dr George and his his team over at Indivelo for example then then I think that would help I, I just want to ask I, I do want to revisit that point but just just another thing just I know that you also help out with providing some of the data for the Zwift Grand Prix for example um, you know in the Premier Division one of the things that we keep asking for and I think it became apparent on the first couple of the races with the Zwift Grand Prix is the lack of data that we don't just you know, we had a lack of data on the screens in terms of when, you know, as a, as a viewer on the Zwift Grand Prix, but in terms of the points races within ZRL, seeing those updates, are we going to get to the point? Because this, you know, this is the question that comes from the community, when we're going to get those mid-race updates with points on the screen in a points race. Uh, yeah, it's, it's something that's been talk, talked about, um, talk, the possibility of being able to put them in game as well, so that you'll be able to see them on the screen live and things like that. I say, I, I don't want to 
get anyone's hopes up or make any any um, promises here as it's been talked about. Um, I also have the option where I can invest in our infrastructure that will allow you know, thousands of people to essentially sit on the end of these, like a phone app, which will give live updating points and things like that. Um, but the, uh, the long and the short of it is, is in terms of WTL, there is myself as a developer, there is somebody who helps me out with that. And then people that help out with the support and the social media side of things. Um, manpower is not something we have in abundance to be able to just sit and build all this stuff that we would love to be able to bring into racing. And I'm fully on board with you. I, I would love to see Zwift Racing League, the, the ABCD tier, and then some kind of tier that sits in the middle between ZRL and Zwift Grand Prix or an equivalent, uh, where as the further up you go, just like in normal sport, the more serious it becomes, the more hoops you've got to jump through, the more um, verification and, and things like that that you've got to go through. Because I think that would satisfy a lot of a lot of needs, a lot of people who want this high-level racing. Um, but for whatever reason, you know, there's only I think there's only ten. 10 or 15 teams um, in each of the male and the female categories of Swift Grand Prix. There are thousands of clubs out there. <laughs> it just isn't, isn't room to have them all playing. You know, a bit like every town in the UK having its football club play in the Premiership, as an example. It, it, does, it doesn't happen. <laughs> but there needs to be a route between the two. Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually, I mean, the 16 teams, and I still think that's too many from from, <laughs> from my opinion. But uh, <laughs> You know, you know. Actually, I know. I know. Chris wants to come back with with another question in a moment, but uh, that that's the other thing that I uh, I put out there with some of the the community members about. You know, what would be the one question they asked Martin? And it's you know may, maybe this comes back when we have the race score in the future. But there's a lot of people when you've got fields of eighty plus riders. For me, I, you know, I said this to Chris in the pre-show. I prefer last season. I raced in a small division. There was like forty-five to fifty riders. It was great racing because everyone could contribute this time i'm racing in with 85 and, and luckily i'm at the pointy end but there's a lot of people then when you've got 80 odd riders who are not at the pointy end you know it, it again just you know it is the ways are you looking at ways to get more people involved in that because i know you've looked at you know there was a, a some kind of battle format that you sort of pitched last year and so on mm. but you know is, is there anything anything coming in season three that 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 might give those people who don't score on a regular basis some opportunity there is some stuff that's coming outside of zrl i can't say any more than that um a lot of it's conceptual but it it's it's um slated to to be launched in terms of zrl round three we're so round one we allowed the maximum number of teams in a division to be 20 teams which is a lot you know, if, if all teams chuck out six riders, that's a lot of people in a race. Um, and we also have to remember that I think you can only see something like 100 riders on screen at any given time with Swift. So, you know, some people are missing from that list. This season, it's working to 14 teams for the majority. I think I think we've got a one D league with 16, and I think we've got a couple of C leagues um, who are at 15. But generally, the limit's capped at 14, which would be a maximum 84 races. In most cases, it's a lot less than that. It's probably 50, 60. I think Cyprus, you're on the unfortunate end in, in terms of your preference for the, the smaller the smaller leagues, or smaller divisions, and they've ended up with a bigger one this time around. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it May West is just a, clearly a busy time zone, I would say. 
Well, yeah, and that's that's one of the other limitations. It's one of the headaches as well. I mean, if we could get teams to commit to doing all three rounds, then they would always be there at this time, despite whatever the clocks do. Uh, I think the whole league system would be a lot smoother. Uh, certainly having to re-rank teams each round, um, a rebuild leagues, try and do our best to accommodate everybody that's already there and accommodate all the new teams coming in. And so we don't have Mr. A2 team saying, oh, I've been put in A2, but I should be in A1. Well, yeah, we, we've got a limit of 14 teams. Sorry, <laughs> you'll have to get promoted. <laughs> um, so there are some things slated on, on for, for round three. Um, but I don't foresee the size of the races changing much from 14 teams. I know we've mentioned the word balance a few times uh, during during the podcast here, and I, I, I think back to what you mentioned earlier, that the cooperation is better now with Swift than it's ever been. But then again, you tell me now that you're limited by manpower, and that's resources, right? And, and I know that you know people listening to this podcast that are racing that aren't having the experience that they want to have, they don't care about the fact that you don't have the manpower to provide what they want, right? That's you know that's just that's that's just the I way it is, that. right? Yeah. <laughs> but then again, Zwift sat yeah. in the press conference, the the season on Zwift press press conference where. They basically, you know, they were touting the numbers and the fact that a third of Swifters are racers now and we're going to dump resources into racing. And then you tell me that you're limited by manpower to to innovate and progress what you're doing. What is it? Are they cooperating? Are they not cooperating? Are you handcuffed by this? You know, you know what, what is it? No. Let- yeah, so as I said, the, the partnership that, that I have with Swift is stronger than ever. There are, there are more resources, there are more people involved in the partnership itself in terms of um, if, if I need some images for an email, I've got people that will pull those together pretty fast. If, if they need something from me, we, we respond to them pretty fast. What we need to differentiate here is what Swift asks us to do and what we want to do. <laughs> As, as passionate Zwifters, our aspirations are always, we want the best competition, we want it to be fair, we want to knock out any cheating, we want we want to, we want to have all these fantastic formats. And then there is a case of if Zwift, Zwift want this, and there's always a, I, I think if you speak to any anybody who's passionately involved with Zwift, there's what you want, and there's what Zwift are doing. They align in some ways, they, they don't align in others, and that's just life. Um, the support that, the things that I want to do, I don't have the resources for. The only way to get the resources for those is to find more people, and that involves more money. And 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 that's on my side. Is yeah, you know, how how do I generate? How do I find a way to generate this revenue so that we can do what we have been asked, what we want to do, and what people are asking us to do? Um, because yeah, from a business perspective, if I can put the business hat on. W2L is a community race organizer, always has been, still is. Um, you know, we help, we help Herd, we help Fearless, we help a number of other teams with things that they're up to too. Swift contract W2L to operate Swift Racing League for them. That means that Swift is my only customer. Swift says, we don't need you anymore. All of a sudden, <laughs> my business just went bust overnight. So I uh, obviously, Swift support me with with what we need to get the job done that's contractually agreed between us but there's always aspirations and other competitions other ideas other racing formats developments to Swift Racing League etc that I would love to be able to do but but there's the manpower to be able to do that 
here at WTRL at this point in time doesn't exist. So that seems like a really difficult position to be in, especially if you're looking to progress a sport. Now, when you when you really think about it, the the announcement last week of the Zwift Games, you know, the first thing I thought about was you, right? They they're they're marketing at it as the most democratic community based league that esports has ever seen. So in my mind, that means that they're trying to supplant ZRL to to take those numbers away. Do you consider that as threat? You know, what is you know what is your response to that? Like, what, what do you what are you going to do on your end to to hold on to that market share that you've really worked hard to get? Um, well, I think the Zwift Games. I mean, I've been aware of this for a while. I've been in conversations with Zwift about it. We've sent some ideas across to it, um, and it looks like we're going to be involved with it as well. But in terms of intensive, I think again it's additional variety. The Swift Games is a, aimed at um, finding the best best racers uh, that, that are out there on Swift. There's there's a prize pot, um, and it's not. If I if I was to put it alongside something like the UCI, I think this is the this is the Swift pinnacle version, the Swift racing, the pinnacle of Swift racing, um, outside of anything to do with UCI. And I would actually quite happily sit it on a on a level playing field in terms of what it is and there is the ability for the community to get involved which there always has been um in terms of previous championships that have been held there's there's heat races and things like that that allow the everyday Zwifter to get themselves up into into that elite final race or final set of races um don't know I mean, in terms of the swift games i think it's, it's it's a great thing um and if i can put my personal hat on i'm really pleased to see that swift have stepped up and they're keeping going what they've spent a lot of time, effort, and and um, resources on, in terms of building the UCI World Champ, the, the eSport World Championships, to where where it was. It's great to see that they're continuing their version of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see how that that unfolds. Martin, we we have taken up so much of your time, and I really appreciate you coming and uh, and spending a bit of time. To be honest, I, I got so many other questions I could have asked you today, but uh, I know you're a busy man. I know you were you were busy doing stuff with the with Zwift Grand Prix data at the same time as well. So thank you for joining us. Um, I think the, the community will really appreciate hearing from you and uh, all the measures um, that you're putting in place. And uh, hopefully you, you get to grow that WTRL team and uh, and, and monetize it potentially in, in other ways in the future as well. And, and you know, hopefully there's other events may, you know, that we, we get to see you guys involved with um, under your own umbrella in the future as well. So, Martin, thanks for joining us. All the best, and we'll hopefully see you back soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Martin. Take care. Great to be here. More, more than anything else, my motivation is to calm people down and, and feeling that everyone's cheating. And that's the, that's the long and the short of it. <laughs> Chris, really interesting chat with Martin. I don't know how you feel, but I feel he's in a bit of a, a tough spot there. I'm, I'm glad I asked that question about uh, that balance between catching cheetahs and basically trying to get numbers into the ZRL. But uh, I feel like Martin and the WTRL are in a, in a tough spot, right? Yeah, they, it really seems like he's in a tough position. It took a while for it, it to come out there. But when you're a contractor and you only have one client, your your hands are really tied. And I feel bad because I, I, I know that deep down in his heart, he wants to do the best that he can for the, you know, the, the users of the platform, the, you know, the racers in his, in his league and for the, for the sport. Right for cycling esports, but this scenario I don't think is the way that the sport's going to progress, and certainly not you know our mission of promoting the sport. 
No, absolutely. I, I think I do agree. It's, a, you know, the, the fact that they've got 28% of the riders this time, new, you know, new riders or new racers, should I say, into the, I think it's a great starting point in a way, you know, and it's, it's still the biggest cycling esports event out there. But in terms of all the things that, you know, that you and I have spoke about many times over the last 10, 10 episodes, then, uh, yes, yeah, so some things have got to, a change is some assurances have got to be given to those riders who really want to pursue it at the top end. But that was that, that was a, a great, great discussion there with Martin. Really appreciate you coming on to the show. Chris, I want to get onto this new segment now, which is the cycling short. So I'm going to call it like the Chris investigate section, but, uh, those <laughs> who, who watch, you know, and, and follow the Zmunike, there's been a lot of stories this week. So the cycling short, every, month or whenever we do a new show we're going to give the headlines the top headlines that we've seen in the world of cycling esports uh so we've got quite a few to get through today um I, i'm going to say I, I was going to say i hope it's a bit shorter in the future but hopefully the, the sport just keeps progressing and we keep having plenty of meaty stories to talk about so these are just the headlines if you want more information on these stories of more of a deep dive into what we're talking about today then head over on to the Zamunike. Uh, and you'll find a more detailed post. Chris, you kick us off with the cycling shorts. Okay. Well, we, you know, we're always following, you know, cycling, esports, and the Olympics. And I don't know what you think about the Daily Mail over on the other side of the pond, but <laughs> the there was an interview done on the Daily Mail. Uh, I think it was last week, actually, that I came across uh, with the International Olympic Committee's sports director, Kit McConnell. And he was asked about esports, and he was specifically referred to physical esports. And basically what he said was, Games are, that are a full replication of the sport would receive consideration on the program. The door is open explicitly for virtual platforms where there is a full physical replication of traditional sport. The door is open and we are governed by the respective international federations, which is also a, a great thing to hear because David Lapartienne is uh, the head of the UCI is also on all those committees, you know, as we've mentioned in the past. He then went on to say the best example is the road cycling partnership between the UCI and Zwift. And now that's moved to another partnership, my wish. We are committed to developing the virtual side of the sport. It's something that we're looking to move forward with, said Kit McConnell. And it's more a question of how rather than if. That that's, uh, really is encouraging words. And Absolutely. Also in that article, it was mentioned that things probably aren't going to progress fast enough uh, for LA. But my source continues to tell me that the announcement will be made in Paris uh, and that we'll be seeing cycling esports in LA. I, I hope that he's right. What else is going on, Sai? Yeah, fingers crossed. Well, my whoosh today have done a new update. That's revamped route. But the key thing here was the availability. This has always been a little bit of a criticism with, with my whoosh. I've got quite a good gaming PC, but actually not everyone has, of course. Uh, and accessibility has been uh, one of the hot topics there. But they today did this new update. So lower end iOS devices are now compatible with my whoosh. There were some other enhancements on there as well. I actually rode on my whoosh today on my new bike which i'm going to talk about in another section slightly further on but uh, yes my wish update out this week i guess the second thing i want to talk about is the echelon racing league they've released the dates now the race dates and times and they've also given more information in terms of the the independent hardware and performance verification which is going to be delivered by none less than indievelo exactly the same as the the zwift grand prix so my wish and echelon racing chris 
We had mentioned earlier that I had the opportunity to speak to the, the head of uh, sports performance for USA Cycling. And we spoke about the, the fact that the World Championships is not going to be until October. And he basically acknowledged to me that they're going to have to change around their selection criteria, maybe move the dates back. When we spoke to Matt Smithson from my wish, he certainly left the door way open for them funding the athletes, the, the 20 men and 20 women that'll be competing uh, live in, in Abu Dhabi uh, in October. So they may also be addressing the funding there also. So things are going to be changing as far as the selection criteria go for USA Cycling. As far as selection criteria go, Cycling Canada also let me know that they're going to be having their nationals on Zwift, and that's going to be, be in the beginning of February, but they are shifting their world uh, championship team qualification to my wish. And that's going to be later in the year. So they're going to do it closer to when the actual event is going to take place, which seems like a logical way to do things. No, that sounds exciting. And I'm glad that, uh, yeah, the, the world champ selection criteria might might be reviewed in the future there. Chris, we, we've had quite a, a, a good collaboration over this last uh, few months. I mean, we, we've always communicated, but, uh, you know, since we've set up this podcast, I feel like I talk to you more than I talk to Emma. Uh, my wife, that is. But talking of mutual collaborations, some uh, friends, as we know, Zwift and Wahoo made friends again recently. And the, the two companies have made even more steps. In fact, this has just come out today because Wahoo have announced new bundling uh, and pricing available across the whole kicker range. I think it was a select number of products where you could get access to the, the Zwift plan for 12 months. Now it's across the whole range Wahoo basically have streamlined the whole onboarding process um, through the cust- through the Wahoo app on this occasion. So it's much quicker and easier to basically get going on Zwift once you've got your Wahoo hardware. Um, it's pretty relevant to me because I've just, as you know, Chris, I've just uh, taken delivery of the new Wahoo kicker bike shift, I think it's called. Furthermore, the Wahoo app now automatically shares all rides on Zwift, this giving customers access to their complete workout history, whether they've used Zwift, System, or an Element GPS out on the roads, indoors, wherever. So it seems like this uh, mutual collaboration and friendship is just going from strength to strength. But again, more information on all of these stories over on thezamunake.com. That is also, as I said at the top of the show, where you can leave your comments, your questions, your feedback. What do you want to see in the future in the show? What did you think about what Martin said from the WTRL today and the Zwift Racing League? What do you think of the Zwift games? Get involved in the conversation over on thezamunike.com. At the top of the page there, you'll find a section for podcasts. And again, go to the today's podcast and there's a comment section at the bottom. Chris, I have to talk about the next show already because it's a big one. Episode 35 is coming up very soon. And this is... I don't want to say it's the biggest guest we've we've ever had um, in terms of celebrity and status, but for me, this is one of the the biggest guests. Ashley Mormon Passio, Chris, you've worked your magic once again. It's really amazing, but you know, to tell you the truth, she wants to tell about all the great things that she's doing, and we've been uh, going back and forth, and you know, kicking around ideas, and uh, you know, she's really motivated to to raise awareness of you know the Roca Carba Collective, and you know all the great things that she's doing, the champion women cycling on the platform, and and the crossover between all the great things that she's doing on the road as well. So I'm really looking forward to it. She's a, certainly a, a big star, and I'm looking forward to it more because of the vision that she has. You know, she's was one of the first. 
that really made that crossover. And I want to get some idea into her perspective and, and how did she think that it would, that would work and why it was significant for her to do it. You know, she could have just continued on the road and had a really, you know, happy career and never came back to cycling esports. But as the first women's world champ, she has maintained the presence when she really probably could have just ridden off into the sunset. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, can't look, can't wait for that show. So that's episode 35, Ashley Mormon Passio. I mean, let's not forget, she was, like you said, she was the first UCI Cycling Esports World Champion. So that's coming very, very soon. Thank you again for your ears and your time today. Don't forget to go and check out the Zunike. Thanks for listening for the Virtual Velo Podcast, and we'll be back very soon for episode 35. <laughs>